business owners and entrepreneurs, when do you know it's time for a change in your business? What do you do when it just isn't hitting the mark or hitting your goals? It's time to roll up our sleeves and get to work. I'm Stephen Krause, small business owner, entrepreneur, enthusiast, and advocate. This is Up and to the Right, the no-nonsense live stream where we blend your passion with proven business principles and practical, actionable, sustainable solutions for your small business. What what triggered this whole podcast episode, I, it's been, what, eight months, I think, since the last episode. And uh, I wanted to talk about the process that I've been going through with regard to Up and to the Right, the, the program itself, also, um, and this has impacted my business. Um, and so there, there's kind of a lot of stuff to unpack around why it's been so long since I published an episode. And the first thing that I, that I want to talk about, I want to talk about two basic concepts, but then I want to talk about uh, them very specifically in relationship to what is going on with my own business. So uh, the two things were the triggers for change. What, what triggers can we see or do we see that suggests to us that we need to change something that's going on in our business. And then what are, what are practical approaches to change? You know, how do we know what the scope of a change should look like? You know, how do we know, do we need to, um, uh, you know, throw everything away and start again? Or, you know, do we need to make a small adjustment to our messaging or a small adjustment to our color scheme or something like that? So I just wanted to go through those two things and then talk specifically about what's been going on with my own business and with Up and to the Right. So what are some of the things that trigger us to need to make a change in our business? One of the first, thing that's that's first things that's going to come up in your mind is probably revenue, right? We're not generating the revenue that we, we would like or that we need. And let's face it, as small business owners and entrepreneurs, revenue is probably always going to come up short. Or, you know, there's that's a that's a brass ring we will never catch. Um, it is literally the carrot on the stick in front of the donkey, and we will never ever catch it. Um, and and so that's a dangerous thing to consider a trigger. But there are realities around that. Right. We do have to make payroll. We do have to pay rent. We do have to pay our suppliers. And, and so there are genuine expenses related to business operation that we have to deal with and we have to have the cash to do that. So there are some revenue goals that we do have to meet. And so what does that look like? And when we're not meeting those goals, that can be a, a very effective trigger in order to uh, or to to suggest that we need to make a change in our business. So, you know, I, I talked, I, I mean, we, we I talked a little bit about runway in terms of we have to have cash to pay those bills, but there's also the profitability side. And there's two pro, two issues that come up when it when we're talking about profitability. One is simply um, the our, our own, what we as business owners are going to get out of the business. Now we may pay ourselves a salary, 
but that profit may also be something that we draw from once a year, twice a year, four times a year, if you do it quarterly, whatever. Um, what are you pulling out of the business on top of your salary in order to gain the benefits that you would hope to get as a business owner? You know, and, and part of it, I mean, we all want to have an impact. We all want to do something that matters to somebody. But at the end of the day, we put in a lot of hours. We put in a lot of sweat equity. We want some material benefit from that. And, you know, are you getting that profitability that you need to take a quarterly vacation or, uh, you know, whatever it is that, that uh, brings you joy, are you getting that? So another thing when it comes to profitability is the attractiveness of your business to an, uh, a potential buyer in the future. And if you have one year of profitability versus 12 years of profitability, that tells different story when someone looks at your business as a potential acquisition. And so that matters. Um, so, so that profitability number can be very important to you long-term as well as during the course of the operation of your business. All right, so when it, when it comes to revenue goals, I guess I'd like to wrap up on that one by saying that I think revenue goals really should be profitability goals until you've got sustained profitability, until you have um, a, an operational uh, system that is consistently profitable, you need to be looking at let's hit profit, let's hit profit. Um, and then you can start looking at, uh, you know, okay, let's change that to revenue goals of we're profitable. Now let's look at revenue goals for um, growth and expansion and stuff like that. Um, now that becomes maybe a little bit of a, a longer discussion that we're going to talk about in this particular podcast episode. But um, I, I guess my point here is it's important to be practical. Um, I love entrepreneurs to dream, but we also need to act on the ground in a way that's practical for our businesses. So the next thing that's going to come up as you're thinking about, you know, what are the triggers that tell me I need to make a change in my business? Sales quantity, whether that's units, you know, number of units out the door uh, or number of customers. If you're running a, a um, service-based business, uh, let's say you're doing a nail salon, how many people have you had coming in and going out? Or if you're running a, a product-based business, you know, how many units have you shipped? And how many units of what type have you shipped? You know, are you shipping only your lowest margin product or are you shipping a good mix of products or are you really nailing it by getting that highest margin product out there the most and the other products that you have maybe aren't selling as much, but maybe you don't care. Um, you know, so what's the sales quantity that you expect to um, be shipping versus the, uh, or or what is the, how many customers are you serving? And this matters, um, you know, you could immediately see, well, that's a really a revenue thing. Well, it could be, except that your cost, um, your, your costs change with the, the uh, number of customers or the number of units that you ship, right? So the more units that you can either manufacture or purchase from your suppliers, generally speaking, the lower the cost to you for an individual unit. 
And the more customers you move through your system, A, the more efficient you can make your system, and B, if you're using a consumable, let's continue talking about our nail salon, um, you can buy more of your consumables in higher quantities and lower your expenses. So, so that matters on the cost side in addition to mattering on the revenue side. So it's something to think about uh, as well as just, oh, I'm getting more revenue because I'm getting uh, more customers or I'm not getting the revenue that I want because I don't have the number of customers I want or the number of units sold. And you know, so today I'm not gonna talk about how do, we, how do we get customers to buy more units or how do we get more customers. That's just one of the triggers that we might use to realize that we need to make a change in our business. The next thing is business and product impact. So if let's say that you have a business and um, you're doing um, compostable garbage bags, right? So we all have too much plastic going into our landfills. Garbage bags are plastic, you know, so you create a compostable plastic garbage or a compostable garbage bag that people can use. Now you're selling, are you getting enough of the impact from that uh, that to meet your expectation. And this goes back to, this goes to the passion projects or the, or, or the passion based businesses where you really want to make a change for the better. Uh, you know, we've got it. So how do you measure that? You know, fewer paper cups used, gallons of gas sold, any of those thing, number of trash bags in the landfill, obviously you're going to have to weigh a bond have to develop a way to track those measures if that's what is driving your business or driving you as a business owner. Um, but your environmental impact, if that's the goal of your business and you're, if you're not making that impact, then having a, um, uh, evaluating, well, what does that mean? That might trigger a change to your business. And then you can have a socioeconomic impact and, this could be, you know, homeless people placed, small businesses that are profitable, uh, any of, of those type of things, um, quality of life impact. You know, how are you making your customers' lives better and how many lives are you affecting in a positive way? So uh, you could probably, you know, create more. I, I guess the one other one, uh, apparently I didn't put this in the right... Uh, spot on my notes, but the other thing is, what is your quality of life? You know, did you, um, or, and I'm talking about your personal quality of life here. Um, you know, was your goal to work fewer hours or have lower stress? And are you achieving that? Are you working fewer hours? Do you have lower stress? And, is that uh, meeting your expectations as a business owner? And I know if you're a business owner, you're probably wondering, you know, what business owner starts a business hoping to work fewer hours or have lower stress because all tongue and cheek aside, running your own business um, can feel like a, you know, 24, seven, 365 job and pretty stressful. Having said that, is it your goal when you start a business? Oh, I want to work, you know, 80 hours a week and be super stressed for the rest of my life. I doubt it, right? That's not, 
That's certainly not what I want. And I doubt very much that people go into business with that impact in mind. Uh, one of the things about, you know, this, this whole idea of being our own boss, that and uh, uh, comment being somewhat misrepresentative of my impression of small business or business ownership in general, uh, aside, um, you know, kind of, if you, if you dig underneath the first to the top layer of that, you it's implied that eventually you want to work fewer hours and, um, and to have lower stress levels. And so if you're not achieving that, then your personal goals might be unmet. And now that's a trigger that maybe something in your business needs to change. And so those are, those are, you know, at least some examples of things that you might see in your business that, that suggest, oh, I need to make a change here and um, I need to impact more lives or I need to work fewer hours or I need to, to sell more products so I can lower my uh, cost of goods or I need to sell more products so that I can have additional revenue. Any one of those, and there are others, that might trigger a need to change something in your business. Um, this is just a set of examples that we can, we can talk about. Um, once you've identified that something needs to change, how do you go about making those changes in a practical way? One of the most important things that I've talked about, you know, in all the episodes of this program, or, or at least many of them, is that I always want a practical approach to making an improvement or a change in a business. Um, I want the, the content that I create to have some kind of practical application to business. So the first thing when you're, when you want to make a change is being grounded, which, and what I mean by that is understanding why you were there in the first place, really understanding why. And, and, you know, whether you read the book, you know, start with why, uh, Simon Sinek, which is a good read, but, but you need to understand whether you read that or not, or whatever, wherever you get your guidance, why are you doing this in the first place? What is the outcome that you expect? Because sometimes we get triggered by outcomes we don't care about. And we don't want to take action in the wrong direction to fix something that isn't a problem for us. I think a lot of times business owners get consumed with, uh, activities that they see other people doing or they see bigger companies doing and they don't apply those things specifically to their own organization. So they end up spending a lot of time and resources on something that actually isn't going to move their own business forward. So be grounded, understand why you're there in the first place. And the next piece of that is what are your boundaries, right? What you must do. What is the core? This is why I'm here. And what you won't do. You know, this is a product I will not sell. One of, one of the things that, uh, I've had people talk to me about is doing video. I've done audio and video for a long time now. And people have asked me, do you want to help me work on my videos? And, and I have worked with some friends, but when it comes to 
am I going to do video recording or editing for uh, a, re a regular customer? No, for two reasons. One, it isn't something that is part of my core business strategy. It isn't what I want to deliver to customers. And there are a lot of fantastic videographers and video editors out there that can not only do it better than I can, but they can do it faster and ultimately more economically than I can. Um, but it isn't what I want. And that's, it, to be fair, as a small business owner, be your own boss. That's one of the decisions that I've made is what I won't do is I won't do video production for people. And so understanding that uh, so that when people come to you and say, hey, here, here's, you know, what, what is, you know, what do you charge for this? And you can say, well, I don't do that. But here are some resources you can have um, that might help you with it. You know, and I do have people that I can refer customers to who want video editing or videography services. The next thing that I think is really important and it's tied in with your why, but it's what, how do you articulate your goals? You know, are these, if, if you don't track something or, or you can't track something that you can't define, right? So how do we track dark matter? Well, we don't because we really don't know what it is. And that's the same thing with business uh, goals. If you don't understand what your goals are, you can't articulate them then you can't track them. And so the next step after you say, okay, this is why I'm here. This is what I will do and won't do. What are the goals of your business that you can articulate? Because those are going to drive your behavior. That's going to drive what you change to, uh, or what, yeah, it's going to drive what you change to achieve those goals. And you have the ability to focus your energy on achieving those goals uh, by taking specific action. So I'm going to get into one thing that, that this is one that I, I think we need to talk about, but you also need to be pretty careful about. And that is what if your business just doesn't feel right? You know, you get to work and you're like, I just don't feel like things are going like they should be going. Should is going to be a word that I want you to be really careful with. If you get to work and you say, this should be X, you need to start, that's where you really have to back up and, and start looking at your goals and your why and what you will and won't do and, and say, have I articulated these things? Do I have these things clearly, um, you know, mentally documented or documented on a whiteboard or both or whatever it takes so that you understand those every day when you get to work. That doesn't mean, I mean, you can have well-articulated goals and, and really understand your why and still get to work and not feel like it's working like it should and not be, or I shouldn't have said should there, um, and not feel good about how things are going. And, but, but have a hard time articulating, you know, what's really bothering you. That's okay. And what I would suggest with that is unless, if you can't articulate what's bothering you, you don't have to act on it because you don't have a crisis. If you have a cash flow crisis, 
you probably know it. Not enough cash coming in, too much going out, cash flow crisis, right? And maybe it won't be a crisis, but maybe it'll be, okay, we're spending more than we really need to. If it's a, a finite issue and you've identified it, then it's probably not going to just not feel right. If you have that feeling for a day or a week, humans are complex creatures and it may or may not have anything to do with your work. We have a lot that surrounds us that isn't our specific day-to-day -day work. And so I think it's important to be able to give yourself enough space to say, okay, I get to work and something doesn't feel right, but is that about work? You know, is that about my goals or my impact or whatever? And, and maybe it is, and taking some time might help you identify it. Um, but don't force a problem that doesn't exist, I guess is what's important because we have plenty of things to worry about. We don't need to add to them things that maybe we that aren't really an issue for our specific situation. Um, if you get through a couple of days or a week and you have this same kind of feeling, bring in a third party that can be objective. So not an employee or a coworker because they can't be objective just by the nature of their immersion in the culture they can provide you feedback, but they can't provide you an objective view of what's going on in your business. They can't sit you down and say, well, what are your goals? Are you meeting those goals? What kind of product are you selling? What are you selling the most of? Are you, is, that, is that product part of your core value? Or are you shipping a lot more of something that's pushing you away from what you really want to do? So you need somebody who can, who can ask probing, potentially uncomfortable questions that you feel safe with. And so that's an important thing to consider as well is, is um, if things don't feel right, you probably have that feeling for a reason. The question is whether or not that reason is your business or some other part of your life. And if it is your business, how are you going to arrive at the core issue? Are you going to hope that you're going to stumble on stumble on the answer yourself or pull in somebody that can ask you those objective questions and try to help you get to the heart of it. So before we go any further, um, I want to say that one of the most important things when we start looking at making changes in our business, what's triggering us to change, what has all of that been? Triggers are almost always negative. Something isn't right, so I do something different. Right. And, and so, uh, I, I want, I want to make it part of your goal or part of your process to review what is working on a regular basis. What, and, and then and there, there's a couple of reasons for that, because first of all, we need to remember what we're doing. That's right. Small business owners and entrepreneurs, every single one that I've ever met will always look for how to make things better and 
we 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 actually really enforce that belief system in our culture uh, uh you know it's certainly in the entrepreneurial culture um and and in the wider culture here in north america because we're always looking for improvement but we do it at the expense of what is working and and the expense of our own self-confidence sometimes when we're always looking at what's wrong how do i fix it what's wrong how do i fix it we forget everything that we've already done that is good and so there's there's another piece of that too though is that if you can figure out what is working on your business then look at why does that work so well for me and take that why the the process that you go through to make that specific thing work take the core pieces of that and say how do i apply that to something that isn't working as well as i'd like because if we take what is working in one place take the core elements of it put it somewhere else we have a better chance of implementing a solution that will work for us and attain our goals than we are if we go google this is what what other companies have done in this situation. You can get some valuable feedback from that, no question. But those people don't work like you do. They don't have your workflow. Quick example. Um, if you're a technology nerd like I am, you've probably seen advertisements for Superhuman, this great new email uh, client. I think it's mostly Gmail, maybe only Gmail right now as of, you know, September, 2021. But so, so I went ahead and signed up cause I'm a sucker for new applications and faster ways of dealing with email. And, um, you know, how do I integrate a better workflow to pull back more of my time? Right? Because, Email is a communication tool that we should be using to make our days more effective, not something that we should be spending our time on. Uh, spending time on email doesn't drive our business forward. So the less time we can spend on it, the better. So I'm all about trying new things. Download the app. Now, to be fair, if you're if you uh, haven't seen the the advertisements and and haven't looked into superhuman it's $30 a month so it's a $400 $360 investment every year uh in an email client it would have to be literally superhuman to be worth it to me but i was willing to try it I said okay well we'll give it a shot the workflow involved keyboard shortcut shortcuts and i tried it for about a week and I'm not a keyboard shortcut person. It's just not something I do on a regular basis. And I, I actually got to the point where I was thinking about, well, I can learn keyboard shortcuts. I can figure this out. And then I realized I don't have to figure it out because not using keyboard shortcuts isn't wrong. And I'm pretty quick with the right mouse click. And so if there are applications that work well for me using a right mouse click is superhuman going to do anything for me that the native gmail app won't or some other app 
for me, the answer was, I don't think so. And so I, I decided I'm not going to use that. That doesn't mean for one second that that, that isn't the best email app for somebody else. But what it means is that's not a workflow that I'm going to benefit from. Uh, and so that's sort of the opposite in terms of that doesn't work for me, but you can turn that around and say, what does work for me? You know, I right mouse clicking is very native for me. And maybe that's, uh, 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 because of the time that I grew up with computers and that's what we have, but I'm used to it. I'm quick with it and I'm comfortable with it. So that's fine. So, um, where do you get the most traction? And this kind of folds in what's working for you. Where do you get the most traction? And then add to that, what do you enjoy the most? You know, what, what aspects of the things that are working do you enjoy? And is that something that you can pull in to what isn't working as well as you'd like? So then you combine what's working with your unmet goals. Like I talked about before, you know, what, what do you leverage? How do you leverage what's working for you in new ways to meet the goals that you aren't quite meeting right now? And, uh, you might have to learn new things if a keyboard shortcut is something that is working for you in another place, maybe you're uh, um, using Photoshop or Adobe Premiere and you've really got keyboard shortcuts down in those applications and moving to an applica another application that uses keyboard shortcuts is going to be much more um, convenient for you, then that might be a great thing to try. Uh, so, you know, try to, to combine what works in one place to a place that, where you feel like you need improvement. The last thing I want to talk about when it comes to the practical application, how do you do this in a way that, that is meaningful and practical is to acknowledge your fears. Um, take stock of what is scaring you and why, um, and, um, I, I guess one of the things I want to talk about really quick is you don't over, don't focus on overcoming your fear. Um, it's fine not to fix every fear as long as you can act in spite of the fear. Um, when I started podcasting and live streaming, it was a scary thing. Um, and then when I started doing it live, uh, guy, what, 2019, 2018, started doing it live. It was even more scary because I was worried I would make a mistake and then that's on the internet forever or whatever. Um, and so, but you, you, you say, okay, but this is something that I really feel strongly is going to drive my business forward, or I really want to get this content out and it's important to me to make it happen. So I'm going to do it anyway, even though it's a little bit scary or a lot scary. Um, I, I kind of liken fears. Fears to me are, are kind of like mythological demons where if you know their name, they're less powerful. Uh, and that's, that's kind of how I like to think of it. So if we name our fears, 
then we can at least acknowledge them and put them in perspective and act in spite of them, which I think is very important. All right, so we've talked a little bit about what triggers can drive us to understand or can, can give us the impetus to make a change in our business and some of the ways that we can approach that in a from a practical perspective um, in terms of tying what we need to, what we feel like we need to change to our goals, making sure that um, the, uh, we, we look at what is working in our business and then uh, also um, uh, keeping a, a handle on what we're afraid of and, um, you know, naming it and then saying, okay, maybe I can only do five cold calls a day because I'm terrified of getting on the phone. That's okay. Um, it, you know, and, and so you work through that and, uh, get yourself to the point where you can take at least some action in, a, in an area that you might be afraid. So what all this came, this all came up for me because of a few things that happened with up and to the right, this podcast and live stream and the content that I was making, uh, as well as the, well, I'll just, I'll just go through. So at the end of of 2019, no, the end of 2020, um, I was starting to do interviews in the last couple of, ep well, the last episode was before this one is an, is an interview episode. And I had an inter another interview lined up and, um, and this is a, actually a really good example of trying to do what other people do. And, and so the, it's a hundred percent honest doing a single person show is very hard because you have to come up with all of the content. And if you have someone else on the program, you only have to come up. If you're really good at interviewing, you only have to come up with like 20% of the content because you prompt the guest and the guest gets to talk. And so you can get a lot of value out of having guests on your program, or if it's, I mean, and in that case, that's a, a, a situation where the interviews are about the interviewee. Um, if you're having a, if you have a partner where you're co-hosting something and you have this back and forth banter going on, uh, that can be, uh, that can take a lot of the edge off for production of, of media. Um, and, and that was true for me as well. I mean, it was much easier for me to, to put together a program when I had a guest on uh, versus uh, when I'm doing them solo. But, but that wasn't the premise of the show. And, and so I started going down that road and I started to feel uncomfortable with it. You know, I started to have that, that this doesn't feel right to me not because the guests aren't valuable or important or, or that they don't have uh, really valuable things to say they all do, you know, successful business owners are helpful. They have a lot to share, uh, but there are also a lot of podcasts and, and programs that delve into that, that interview other people and, and get that perspective. So I, but I, 
I, I didn't really feel good about going that direction any further, but I didn't really know what was it, what I was going to do if I didn't go that direction because that's what everybody does. Well, uh, at about the same time, I got some feedback about the name of the podcast that I had, it had never occurred to me. And that was that the name up and to the right could be interpreted very easily to be politically affiliated, which this podcast is not politically affiliated. I don't think I've ever mentioned politics and that's not the point of this podcast. But, but that does mean that somebody glancing through a podcast list could make that assumption pretty easily. And, um, then I'm not speaking to the audience that I care about. So, so I had this naming problem, um, and, and for two pro for two reasons, obviously the reference to right could be politically construed. Um, and up and to the right is, you know, when I named the, the podcast, I thought I was being clever up and to the right. That's the direction of a graph, you know, for revenue or profit that you want to, to have, you want it to go up and to the right, which means that you're always making a little more money. And, and so that seemed very clever to me. Uh, but in reality, it doesn't really speak to the day-to-day -day business owners who aren't necessarily trained in business operations as their primary, um, expertise or their primary training. So it, it might've been clever for business people, but to be a hundred percent honest, people who have gone to college or, you know, uh, or, or even to, to the master's degree level or whatever for business, the, they're not my target market. My target market is regular business owners who have an expertise in their craft, who have their expertise in the passion for what in, in and and passion for something that they want to do in the world an impact that they want to make and those people generally aren't business people by trade so i named my podcast something that could be misinterpreted and also misunderstood or not understood from the get go so you know i i looked at um the um I also, so I also had another incident that happened. I hired a company to help, uh, do the, um, show notes because writing the show notes is one of the things that's, it, it takes time and it isn't my favorite thing to do. And so, okay, get somebody to come in, write the show notes. Well, I had a very bad experience with this and I'm not sure if I touched on it in a previous episode. I'm not going to rehash it now, but, but basically between the re rewriting of, I think we did 15 episodes where they completely rewrote my show notes, didn't save my old copy, did it completely different than I had done it. And, um, and then between that and rehosting the podcast on another server completely killed my, um, uh, my audience. 
I, people weren't finding the show anymore. So I had my, my downloads, my audience uh, participation went dramatically down. I had content that wasn't meeting my expectations. I had a name that didn't work for me. And I was going in a direction that I was, like I said, uncomfortable with. And so, all right. Um, so now I've got, so let's talk about what those triggers were. I didn't feel good about the direction I was going. So I just didn't feel like it was working for me. My quantitative um, uh, measures were, you know, if you look at downloads and audience and feedback and, and, and uh, stuff like that, that was literally, it made an L shape in a, in a bad way. <laughs> So, you know, so we had that and then, um, and then I was starting to go in a direction that I didn't like, which meant I was doing something I didn't want to do, which was, and that sounds like strong language. I, I love talking to people about their businesses, but it isn't the, the premise of the show wasn't interview based and it wasn't my intent when I started. So I had a, pretty good group of those things when it came to just to this program and that said, okay, I really need to make a change in what I'm doing with the show. And so this is, you know, January, February. And at the same time, I started talking to uh, somebody about purchasing my electronics business directed energy. And so I said, okay, I don't really know what I want to do with up and to the right. I need to focus on selling this business. And so I took some time off from producing. We closed the business sale in May. And by May, I had started to redefine my product offering with, uh, uh, for beyond 50% and and I'm still going through that process. We're at the tail end of that process now. And so I, I didn't want to really dig into show production again until I understood what that next stage was going to look like. And so I've kind of been developing what do I want to do and, and go from there. Um, but I did ask myself, do I need to promote harder? Do I need to be more active on social media? Um, am I talking to the right people? And, and that was a question that I think the name specifically said, no, you're not talking to the right people. You know, up and to the right is not the audience, whether it's a political audience, that isn't, I'm not a political show, that's not the intent. So that's not the right people. And if it's a business oriented off, uh, audience where uh, I'm catering to business trained professionals, then up and to the right might've been appropriate, but I'm not, those aren't the people I want to talk to. Um, and, and so then I said, okay, what, you know, what do I want to do? How do I want to do it? And so we're backing up. We're going to start doing, uh, you know, we're going to skip all that because that's not, uh, not not relevant. Okay. And we're going long already. Okay. I thought this was going to be a short show. So 
So what does that mean? How did I tie all of this together for myself in a way that I hope will be a valuable story for, for you? Um, what that resulted in is we're going to wrap this show up. Up and to the right, this is going to end up being the last episode of Up and to the Right. Um, I am going to c continue producing content, but I'm starting a new show called Business Beyond DIY. And I'll talk a little bit about that. It will be a brand new live stream, brand new podcast starting soon. Hopefully, let's see, it's the 28th, probably the second or third week of October, we'll start recording. It'll drop on iTunes as, you know, as soon as I've got a few episodes uh, in the can. But the, the goal will be a little bit more uh, a little bit different. Um, I still want to produce content that is very practical, that is very focused on, on being usable every single week. Um, but it's going to be focused on, on a very specific aspect of business, which I will get into in the introductory episode, which I will record probably pretty soon. And, and at least get that on the live on a, on a separate playlist on the YouTube live stream channel. Um, I'll talk a little bit about that. And then, and, and like I said, I think it's really important to, to focus the content. And like I said, business beyond DIY is going to speak much more clearly to the audience I care about. Small business owners who are who at least feel like they need to do it themselves because we don't know we have options or we need to do it ourselves, but how can we do it in a way that is uh, efficient and effective for our business? Um, and, and so not to mention business beyond DIY starts with B. So if it's an alphabetical list, it's way up at the top versus uh, up and to the right, which is way at the bottom. Um, so, I, one thing, you know, why not? I've got, this will be the 62nd episode of, of Up and to the Right. Why do a new podcast instead of rebranding the old one? Um, I, I'm going to be making enough branding changes and enough show production changes that I felt like a new show would be more appropriate than rebranding the old show. So while I, I am, you know, a little bit sad to, to end up, you know, having to ramp up another, um, another show on iTunes and stuff like that and have to get the word out and all of that. I think it's going to be a better deal for everybody because it's going to be focused, uh, much more singularly on the topic that we're going to be talking about. And I will do that in the newest episode. So, um, if you, um, if you're interested in that new show, subscribe to the beyond 50% YouTube channel. And as soon as that drops, you'll get notified if you push the bell. Um, keep up, you know, check out the website. Uh, we will be redoing the website over the course of the next six to eight weeks um, to reflect our new, our new, uh, our new plan. Um, and I will definitely be emailing, you know, sending out an email to everybody on my contact list that says, hey, um, you know, you can... Uh, learn more about the new podcast here. Um, 
man, and I'm looking forward to doing that. I think that's, you know, that's something that uh, this show has always, I think, achieved the goal of having um, valuable insights. But if we're being honest, um, sometimes I talked about what was in my business bag and sometimes I talked about my feelings and sometimes I talked about HR and sometimes I talked about outsourcing. And so you could make a pretty strong argument that while all of those might be valuable to a business owner, it wasn't very focused. So it would be fair to say as a viewer, you might not know what to expect. And so I want to be able to provide uh, a show where you are going to get what you expect on a regular basis. And you're not going to have to guess what is Steve going to talk about this week. Right. And um, now the specific topic might be, might be new, but the, the general focus of the new podcast is going to be very specific. And I'm looking forward to putting that together and sharing it with you and getting your feedback and, and uh, taking the next step. So let's wrap this up. The show notes will be at b50p.info forward slash UATTR062. And I will get them written in the not too distant future. Um, no, I thought I had a, I guess I don't. I thought I had a contact information slide that I could throw up, but I guess I don't. Anyway, so on social media, at beyond 50%, that's beyond 50%, percent all spelled out, pretty much everywhere, uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, there's a beyond 50% Facebook page. Um, and I'd love to, to chat with you on any of those things. Leave a comment below if you've if you've had an experience where you had uh, what triggered you to make a change in your business, or if um, if you uh, had a uh, you know what what changes have you made and did they work? Did they did they impact the thing that you you were expecting to change? If you found this video helpful or you're interested in uh, being notified when we release the Beyond, uh, the Business Beyond DIY podcast and live stream, subscribe to the channel, hit that notification bell, and I guess that's it. I'd like to thank you for watching today. Uh, it has been a, a lot of fun doing this show. And like I said, I'm kind of sad to wrap it up, but I do think the new show is going to be uh, more focused and uh, really provide uh, that uh, value in a very specific direction that I think small businesses will appreciate. So thanks for going on this journey with me and we will see you in business beyond DIY. Thanks for watching.